Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Wrestling Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. You know, when I was in high school, um, school sent me on this leadership work camp. And I remember, hey, you guys seen some of these uh, leaders, summer camps type deal. And, you, and there were opportunities where I could select workshops. One class that I assigned, I don't know why I signed up for it, but the teacher said, and, and the basis of this teaching was that his father was an alcoholic, he would have been an alcoholic, and he gave us statistics that children of alcoholics will most likely become alcoholic themselves unless some intervention happens, unless something interrupts that flow. The child will inherit the patterns and the curse of the father. He shared his story of how his father was actually a distinguished airline pilot. They were well-respected in the community. No one knew that there was any problem. But as a child, he saw the brokenness in his household, and he recognized that he himself was going towards that lifestyle until somebody intervened, talked to him, and said, you are on the wrong path. You're going to be just like your dad. And it was that intervention that interrupted his life. As I listened to that talk, I remember being very scared because my father was an alcoholic. It's something that we never talked about because shame culture. Asians, we don't talk about our dirty laundry to public. But I remember thinking, no, I'm not, I'll never be like my dad. I would never be like my dad. But then come college, I was on that path. And I remember moments where it was sort of eye-awakening because there were times I should not have been driving. There were times I could not find my car. There were times I didn't know how I got home. And I knew I was inheriting my father's curse, if you will. I inherited everything from my father, even though I thought I was so different than my father. And it, was, it wasn't until... God, intervene and stop. You're on a dangerous path, and something needs to stop. We're continuing in our Statement of Faith sermon series, where last week we looked at this statement. This statement that says, We believe, we believe. You don't have that statement? I assure you, I have it three places there. The joys of fatherhood. <laughs> we believe God created mankind in his image for his pleasure, purpose, and with his authority. We looked at that last week, and we're going to look at the rest of the statement, which is, after man's fall, all inherited sinful nature. But Jesus Christ paid the full payment of all sins with his life back. I was reading. Okay. This is the second part. This is... Pause. 
But Jesus Christ paid the full payment of all sins with his life on the cross. He raised from the dead, completely setting us free from the dominion of darkness, removing the curse of sin, seating us with him in the heavenly places. Salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. All right. That is our big statement. And I want you to know that there, that entails the fullness of the whole gospel, right? We, this is the creation. Last week we talked about creation. But then there is the fall. There's a need for salvation. But what does that mean if Jesus Christ, and we all know, I would like to believe that we all know, Jesus died for your sins. We believe that he died. He resurrected. And we, but for most part in the church, we think, oh, when I die, I, I'm up, going up to heaven. As if that's the ultimate gospel. I'm saying that's the first rung of the ladder. That is just the scratching of the surface of the full gospel. I'm saying there is so much more to this gospel, and I want you to know that truth. So if you ever thought that the gospel is about your salvation, that when you die, eh. well, yeah, that's not incorrect. It's not incorrect. But it's just the beginning of something far more. So we're going to look at that. Now, although we recognize that this statement of faith is for the whole church, I want to challenge the individuals what you believe. There's a difference. It's one thing that we say, oh, we corporately believe this is what we are as a church. But my challenge is, what do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins? And if he did, if that is true in your life, what does that mean in your individual life and application? That is something that I want you to process. That, oh, I agree to the theology. No, but what does that show in your life? Because I can tell you that how your life demonstrates this statement is going to be different than me and everyone else. With me? Okay. I have moments here. I am a little sensitive, and I want to be very careful, so bear with me. So let, let's start. Start with God made all things of the creation. God made all things, and it was good. But then he made man, and he said it was very good, Right? I hope you guys all read Genesis because I can't read the whole Genesis with you. But he made, last week I talked about it a little bit more in depth, but he made everything and it was good. But he made man and there was blueprint. He didn't just make. He said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let him have dominion. Let him rule. That language is inheritance language, folks. That language is the nesting of the mothers who prepare the house, prepare the room before the child is going to be birthed so that everything will be provided for. That's the language of the father creating with the plan to bless. And I talked about it last week. It is really to love for his pleasure, to walk and love and, and care for it and, and to relate. It was all very good until that darn apple. Whoever said it was an apple, by the way, it was not an apple. It's a fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I don't even know what that fruit looks like. It could be an apple looking, but I don't know. It became such a cliche. But uh, I want you to know that 
I have heard people ask, but why did God have to create that apple or that fruit, that tree in there? And the reason is because God made us to love him and for us to love him. He made the children to love for them to love him back. For love to exist, there must be free will. You cannot force love. In order to demonstrate free will, there has to be an opportunity to accept him or reject him. You guys with me? I want you to know that creation account for this almighty God was the most vulnerable thing that he ever did. He is the all-powerful, the most powerful being. And yet he made himself so vulnerable by making man, mankind in his own image. And he first loved with an opportunity that the child could reject him. It's the most vulnerable thing. I've had many conversations with people say, um, I've been hurt before. I can never go into another relationship because I've been hurt so much. I've heard people say, I can never go to another church because I've been hurt so much in another church. Because that pain was so great, they can never enter in or try another because they can't position themselves in that vulnerable place. But here's God who knew that and say, it's worth it. That risk to love and to be loved, when the love is received, it's worth it. God was rejected, yet he still kept pursuing us. And even today, God offers the good news of Jesus Christ, his own son, as a way for us to live. We could accept him or reject him. We can reject his plan, and do our own thing. What we cannot do is reject him and get mad at God for not blessing our things. You guys with me? If we're walking with the Lord and one with him, we expect our life to be what his plan is, to be lived out in our life. What we cannot do is reject God and say, God, why are you doing this to me? There's consequences to our own actions, and we have to own it, not blame somebody for what's happening in our lives. I don't want us to play victim mindset. Not that we don't experience victim situations, but we have to own our decisions. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, but here's a truth behind. So let me come back. So in Genesis chapter 3, it details the fall of mankind, where the devil, in the form of a serpent, lies to Eve. You guys remember the lie? First, he makes Eve question what God said. Did God really say? You guys remember that? So whatever God had instructed Adam and Eve in the prior conversation, his first thing is, did God really say? And to Eve respond, but then he would retort, no, that's not true. Making 
Eve to believe that was a lie, and he has something else in mind. So God wasn't telling you the truth, and there was a hidden motivation. So did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden, Genesis 3.1? Then he would contradict the words, make you think that, yeah, that's not in your best interest. You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. The liar lies. Behind every sin is a lie. I want you to know that. Behind every sin is a lie. The lie that says, it's okay. God's going to still love you. It's okay. You'll be fine. Nothing's going to change. There's always forgiveness. Your life will be fine. It can't be that bad. What's on, what's on one little bite? What could go wrong? Right? God really doesn't want you to be like God and the other lies. The Bible says that when Eve saw the benefits of the fruit, that it was nutritious for food, it was good for wisdom, and it looked good, she took some, ate it, and then she shared it. The devil is the ultimate salesman. His pitch is for you to buy to what he's selling. I'm not saying salesmen are bad. I'm just saying the devil was the ultimate salesman. And he made that lie so believable. Again, it comes down to what's a big deal about one fruit. And I can tell you that the tree by itself, the fruit by itself was not bad. But it wasn't an opportunity where God said, this is forbidden. You are not to eat of it. And because God said you are not to eat of it, that's the one law. That's the one rule. They only had one law for the whole land. It was just one thing. They could eat of every and all things in the entire garden. They focus on the one thing. That's what the devil does. He makes us focus on the one thing that we don't have. But it was the free will. It was the demonstrations of the free will. So what could go wrong? Well, here's a short list of the consequences of that sin in Genesis 3. One, they gave up their authority. Remember, God said, let us make man in our image. Let them rule. And they had everything that God created, all the animals, all the birds, all the fish in the sea, everything in between to rule, to name, to have the authority that God the creator gave to them. And they gave up that rule. How? Because they subjected themselves to one that they were supposed to rule. The serpent was under their subject, right? Well, when they believed the lie and obeyed the liar, they were from here and the, now they're the, down there. They gave up. They handed on a silver platter to the liar their authority. And we can go really in-depth about this authority, but if you think God rules, well, consider this. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness and the devil took him up to the high places and showed him all the kingdoms of the world, if you bow down to me, you can have all these things. You guys remember that? Now, was that a true temptation? Was that a real offer? And people was like, no, 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 because he really didn't have it. No, he did. The devil is the prince of this world, prince of this air. Jesus alludes to him as the kingdom ruler. Again, we can go really in-depth about this. But the devil had the authority because Adam and Eve gave up their authority of the world. So they gave up their authority. 
Cain was introduced, if you remember, out of the consequence and the judgment of their sin for the woman, uh, God said there would be pain in childbearing and, and raising them and child rearing for the man to rule over the woman. And death is introduced. From the dust you come to the dust you will return. And they became self-centered. The husband threw the wife under the bus and the wife threw the, uh, yeah, and vice versa. Adam even tried to blame God for giving him the woman. Like, you got to be a fool. Okay. So they became fools after that too. Okay. And then they inherited, and his children's children, the generations after, inherited sin and sinful nature. This is what we call the original sin. I want you to think about this. Sin is introduced. They were holy. They were perfect. Everything very good until sin. Now they became subjects to the devil. They inherited the original sin of their father and adopted sinful nature. That's the, what happened with Adam's son? Not long after. Cain and Abel, does it ring a bell? A son kills the other son. Sin nature, it means it is in your nature. It is natural for you with the inclination to sin. Because it's in you. You have adopted what your father gave you. The, the, we can go deeper into this, but the curse of your forefathers or the blessings, you inherit what your parents give you. You adopt. You catch what you see your parents acting until some intervention comes. Sin nature, but God intervened. For generations and generations, sin nature dominated the land. Mankind lived in sin. If you read the Old Testament, you, you just see the fallen nature repeat itself continuously. And God tries to help. But they kept rejecting God. But Jesus Christ paid for the full payment of all sins with his life on the cross. He raised them from the dead, completely setting us free from the dominion of darkness, removing the curse of sin, seating us with him in the heavenly places. Salvation is by grace through Jesus Christ, through faith in Christ Jesus. So we were born into sin nature, born to sin, but Jesus came. I, I want you to know that that is the path that we were on until the cross. Alcoholism is just one example. But I want you to know that the history of mankind was that they were on a projectile. Generations after generations, hundreds and thousands of years after, sin begot sin. Until the cross of Jesus Christ. Until Jesus hung on that cross was the intervention that stopped the curse. And I want you to know what that cross and Jesus' death and resurrection means or meant not only about our salvation but our life today on earth before death. Think about this. Sin nature is going on a progressive path, but Jesus Christ came. He intervened and he stopped. And he paid the consequence of all sin for all time. All your sin, 
past, present, and your future. I want you to get that. Because all your future sins was his future. You guys get it. All right. Everything was in the future. So no matter your future or unsin, all that. So all sin. Jesus stopped the momentum of sin once and for all. To those in Christ, to those who believe, he put a stop to it. When he died, so on the cross, he paid, he was our sin, he took all sins of all mankind, even your future sins, and he paid the price. And that price was death. He died. He was buried. And we believe he went down to the depths of where the dead goes, hell. But hell could not hold him because he is a life giver. He is God. He is a creator of life. He is a source of life. Death could not hold him. And then he rose again. Why did he have to rise? Did you know that Jesus could have died and, and paid our price. But the significance of his resurrection is something else. I want you to get that. It's to give us victory. I want you to know that resurrection give us victory. Why? Because he gave us back the authority. I, I want to I show you something. Martin Luther, who's credited for a Protestant Reformation, he said this, We believe simply that the entire person, God and human being, descended to hell after his burial, conquered the devil, destroyed the power of hell, and took from the devil all his power. Okay? This is what I believe. I don't fully understand everything about this, but this is what I believe. I believe that Jesus died, and then he defeated the devil. Because after he resurrected, okay, follow me here. After he died, he resurrected. He is witnessed by 500 witnesses, right? And he spends time with his disciples before he ascends back to heaven. One of his last words is the Great Commission in Matthew 28. You guys remember that? He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore, and then he commissions them. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to know and leave that up there. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth. Okay, all authority in heaven. Father's going to give him the authority. Okay, we recognize that. But on earth, who has the authority? It was the devil. Because Adam was. Yeah. And he took it back. He took back the authority. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has given to me. Therefore, and he commissions, he empowers his disciples, those followers of him. And if you read book of John and you read what Jesus had said, he says, I'm giving you that power. I'm going to be sending you. This is one of the uh, big promises in Matthew 16, 19. If you remember Peter, where they're walking in the street, and you know, who, who do people say that I am? They're like, oh, you're the prophet, you're Jeremiah, maybe John the Baptist. And they're making good you know, guesses. But then Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter responds back, you are the Christ, the Son of God. And when he said that, Jesus is like, please, he's like, you couldn't have known this by yourself. 
from that response, he says in this in verse 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose on, in heaven. What is the keys? I was thinking about this this morning. I got a lot of keys. <laughs> and I've heard in some workshop before where somebody told me, Every key represents responsibility. You have access, authority, or responsibility to open something that others do not have. And if you have a lot of stress in your life, look at some of your keys and get rid of them. Because keys represent authority and responsibility. I have keys I don't even know where they go to anymore. But they weigh down the whole feel of my life in that keychain. Keys represents authority. Jesus says, I will give you the keys. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Meaning, and depending on your translations, uh, I like the very literal translations of like the old King James, New King James, and, and they will say, Whatever you loose on earth will, be, will have been loosed in heaven. There's a correlation of what you do on earth will happen in heavenly realm, where the heaven is the model, but there will be this synchronization that takes place. You guys with me? Meaning, we can move the impact of heavenly realms. What we do, what we choose to do, the authority that has been given is in sync with what's happening in heaven. I want you to know your choice on earth has implication what's happening in heaven. Heaven is a model. That's a far greater authority than you probably felt that you had. Jesus promised this authority, Peter, because you know that I am the Christ, the Son of God. I am, he promised these keys. And when did these keys get distributed, given? Death and resurrection, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. You guys with me so far? Does it sound pretty good? Okay, so here is this nature of sinful nature. The kingdom, the, the world life has been this downward spiral of sinful, sinful, sinful way. Then Jesus came, intervened, stopped it cold, and says, I will give you the authority to have victory. He gave his Holy Spirit. He gave his authority. He gave his name. He did not just say, okay, I'm going to restore your identity. You are my children, heirs and co-heirs with Christ, which he, this is all true. But what is so good about your identity in Christ without the authority? Right? What's so good if you say you are the son of God, children of God, daughter of God, without the authority that comes with the benefits? Jesus gave that benefit. You might say, oh, that's just too good. I can't believe it. And that's the problem. We think it's too good that we have a hard time accepting it or believing in it. But to those who believe in it, they're living in the kingdom realm. Isn't it interesting that those who believe in this supernatural gift that God has given them, they're living it? And those who say it doesn't happen, don't see it? And what are the logic? I don't believe it because I don't see it for myself. Lack of faith, lack of agreement with what God is doing or has done. They just believe in their head without the heart. 
and the conviction. But to those who are post-Christ, post-resurrection, post-victory, and says, I believe, and they're going out and praying for the sick and the law. Side note, I read somewhere, Heidi Baker, missionary uh, in, in Africa, many parts. And if you hear her stories, it's amazing. But like, you go to places where she is speaking or teaching, like healings take place. But something related with deafness or hearing loss, she has like almost 100% response of, of deafness, he, some form of healing is that. Why is it that someone like Heidi Baker are always seeing the miracles and people who don't believe are never seeing it? Is there something to our response to what God has said and faith? Something to consider. I want you to know, what do you think it would look like if sin never happened? If that darn apple tree, whatever. <laughs> Why did God have to put that tree there. Hypothetically, let's dream here. If that tree wasn't there, if Adam and Eve did not eat of that fruit and sin never happened, what would that look like? Well, the consequence of the sin, the curses would not exist, right? So what are those curses? Um, Genesis 3, 16. To the woman, God said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pains, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Consider this, ladies. God never intended for you to be in pain, childbirth or childrearing. If there was no pain in the dramas of your children, man, Mother's Day today would have been so much more relaxing. Lord, help me. <laughs> Just saying. And your desire for your husband, and he will rule over you. Think about that, ladies. Have you ever, I'm sure, you never, I'm sure, thought, why can't a woman be in that leadership when you know full well a woman is fully capable of doing that job and fully leading that role? This male chauvinism thing, this patriarchal oppression of women, was never God's plan. You guys understand that? If that was never God's plan and he removed a curse, think about this. Would then, if God removed that curse, as if it never happened, do you think women would be able to preach? <laughs> think about it. God's will was never for this to happen. It was as a consequence of sin. That your desire would be for your husband. He will rule over you. That's the curse. Let's say the sin is removed. The curse is removed. Jesus paid it. That should not happen. In marriage, my job is not to rule over her. Are you kidding me? She's a mighty mouse. She's smaller, but she'll whip me. Get her angry and see, you know. A good, healthy marriage is honoring one another, not for one to rule over and say, shut up, woman. That doesn't work. (laughs) 
Okay, what about to a man? To Adam, he said, in verse 17, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree of which I commanded you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it. And all the days of your life, it will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken for dust. You are, and thus you will return. So men, have you ever considered, and this is the men and women because you guys are working. Have you ever considered why your job is so hard sometimes? Why some of your coworkers backstab you, front stab you, talk behind you, you don't get recognized. We may not work in the field, but there are thorns and thistles in your workplace that make you sweat that make you work harder than it ought to be. Complications, distractions, unexpected delays. I can go on. But those thorns and thistles was never God's plan for you. Plan for us. I mean, he gave the garden, name it, have authority over it, rule over it, manage it. And then, it, and then thorns and thistles and requirement of a lot of deodorant, right? You're going to sweat. It was never meant to be. So what if that curse is removed? What if that curse is paid for? What if Jesus on that cross paid it all and says, your identity is restored? You're children of God and heirs and co-heirs with Christ. Doesn't that sound good? He goes, and then he goes, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he releases that authority. And then he gives his own spirit, the Holy Spirit, at the Pentecost, giving it, empowering his people, and being one with his sons and daughters. The gospel is not for us to die so that we can get to heaven only. The gospel is about this interruption of sinful nature where the cross intervened, stopped, and changed your track from this way to back to original plan of God. And the plan was to bless you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. Plans to empower you to be his children, to live in the plans that he has given. It is not for you to die. The death is a curse. but eternal life with him. Our kingdom is not of this earth, but we have victory. Does it sound like the gospel? Does it sound better than just death and hopefully we can get to heaven? I think there is so much more to what Jesus has to offer than the church has credited him for. I confess I don't know fullness of what God has in store for me, for you, but what do you believe? We believe, now here's a statement again, we believe God created mankind in his image for his pleasure, purpose, and with his authority. That's the original plan. After fall, all inherited sinful nature, but Jesus, but Jesus Christ paid the full payment of all sins with his life on the cross. He raised from the dead, completely setting us free from the dominion of darkness, removing 
the curse of sin, seating us with him in heavenly places. Salvation is by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. This is what we believe. This is what I believe. And if you believe in it, then no matter the path that you have been on, the life that you have been living, whatever projectile of the way you were living, there is the interruption of Christ in the cross in your life. If you so believe in faith, then he would change the projection of your life back to his life. You cannot say, hey, I have been a victim. The world has been treating me wrong. I have blaming. Lord, you gave me that woman, and my life is because of Throwing God under the bus doesn't work. Blaming that woman, blaming that job, blaming that friend who betrayed you, all of that, I understand the pains that come from it. But where's your ownership in that? Why were you on that path? But he gave his son in Jesus Christ to intervene and to put a stop to it. It is by your faith and your responsibility and your choice to choose him and the life that he has for you. You have that choice to live his life or live your life. Your life is sinful nature. His life is submission and humility that says, Lord, you have my life. What does that look like? I will follow you. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is a responsibility that I cannot teach you. It is your choice. We are not victims. That's one of the things that I teach my kids. Stop blaming other people. We are not victims. You make your own choice and own it. You choose Christ. You will never regret it. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You are so good. You made the way. Lord, we confess you have done everything perfect to fullness of all that we need, and yet we have failed to recognize what we have. This authority, this truth, and we ask that we repent before you. Repentance is to change our thinking, change our mind from our former ways to your ways. Metanoia. Change your thinking. Repentance. Lord, your gospel is better than we ever thought it was. It's too good that we have a hard time grasping. Your grace is a gift that is beyond what we deserve and we have a hard time accepting a gift that is too good but that's the God that you are, the Father that you are. You give a gift that is too good for us. And we just have to receive and say yes to you. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters here. I pray that this gospel will be recognized and will stir in their hearts right now. For anyone who has not fully received and given their life to you, I pray, Lord, that they would come in faith and just repent. They would come back to you. 
Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Wrestling Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.